Hello beautiful people. As you may have noticed, this episode has a part one designation. Karen and my discussion about assassins was so long and so dense that I decided while we were recording to make it a two-part episode. So this week we go through the first half of assassins and next week you'll hear us discuss the second half. The week after that will be an intermission where Karen and I discuss an assassin song that was in the 2004 Broadway production but not the original off-Broadway production, Something Just Broke. So it's a three-week assassins extravaganza here on the original cast. I also want to offer a disclaimer. Assassins is a dark show that deals with dark themes, some of which you may find disturbing. Also, the recording features numerous gunshots, some of which I've included in both episodes. If any of these things bother and or trigger you, I will completely understand if you take a break and rejoin the original cast in August. I hope you enjoy this deep dive into a show I consider to be one of the best musicals ever written. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is an equity stage manager in the D.C. metro area. For the past 10 years, she's been one of the regular stage managers at Theatre J. She's also worked at Signature Theatre, the Kennedy Center Theatre for Young Audiences, Georgetown University, and the Folger Theatre. It's Karen Curry, everybody! Hello! How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing great here today. Gorgeous day outside today. It is beautiful today. We're having a great time. And you chose... Assassins. Someone tell the story Someone sing the song Every now and then the country Goes a little wrong Every now and then a madman's bound to come along Doesn't stop the story Story's pretty strong Doesn't change the song Yes, you did. (laughs) Yes, you did. All right, so before we get too deep into it, we're going to start with me. We both brought a lot of paraphernalia, we which did. is awesome. We did. This was if I have often been asked if I were to be a guest on the show, which show would I pick? This is a strong contender. This isn't my answer to that question, but this is a strong contender for that. <laughs> this is a show that I, oh God, I love the show. But how did Assassins come into your life? Um, well, I first heard a little piece of it in the Sondheim at Carnegie Hall celebration. Yes, the wonderful, um, wonderful which show. Which was the, the Ballad of Booth mm-hmm. um, with Victor Garber and Patrick Cassidy. Yeah. Um, and I was so intrigued by the idea of that, of the show itself, that I then went to search out from there um, what I could find and found a cast album, which I brought today, my cast album, yes. which is in which cassette, is cassette form. <laughs> yes, it is. So, um, and then once I heard all of that, um, then I uh, found tried to find a way to get a script and to mm-hmm. really sort of dive in from there. Um, going through all my paraphernalia and trying to find information, I discovered that I, in fact, went to a Miami University of Ohio production of this show. Oh, wow. In... January, oh, February wow. of 1993. Wow, that is soon. So, yes, I have no idea if it was a legal production or not. Right. But, but apparently I saw Can it. I see that? Yeah, of course. Apparently I saw it in Ohio. I saw this, I'm going to say it was the same year. Um, yeah, licensed with yeah. Music Theater International. I saw it um, uh, the same year in Philadelphia 
93, 94, uh, directed by Charles Gilbert, uh, who is the man who came, who came up, up with the, the idea, idea yeah. for the show right. in general. Yeah, and he's a Philadelphia, at the time anyway, was writer and director. And he directed, I think it must have been right before that one, because they advertised it anyway as the first American outside of New York production, production. of the Saxons. And it did include... Yeah, because the years get really wonky here, because it did include the song Something Just Broke. See, and this one didn't. Okay, so yours was probably, this so was, they this, were lying, this probably. This was yes. Yeah, so that's like yes. right after it left New York. Yes. Before it went to London, which is where Something Just Broke joined. Joined. So, man, I, there's like a billion, I was driving over here trying to think of how to talk about this show, because there's like 46 different ways we could yes, come at this thing. Yes, Well, just to Sh- say, it's one of your favorites. It's one of my favorites. Apparently, it is one of Sondheim's favorites as well. One Which I believe. One of the things believe, that yeah. I read in the um, Look, I Made a Hat book is that um, aside from the family section, mm-hmm. right towards the very end, that he believes it's um, one of his best piece of work. Um, so Yeah, I, and I would agree And that, with that, that he thinks it's the most... I mean, I've got, I really wrote down the thing. As far as I'm concerned, the show is perfect. Uh, immodest as that may sound, I'm ready to argue it with anybody. Okay. That's how he ends the entry. Wow. In, in, All right. Look, I made a hat. I like it. <laughs> I like it. It's it's bold. He's yeah. usually not that bold. I know. Or especially about his own stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the second of three collaborations he did with John Weidman as a book writer. Um, the first being Pacific Curvatures and the third being... Roadshow, that's what it's called now. Right. Um, it's like nine titles that show yes. had. Yes. Uh, so all of his pieces about American history are written yes. with John. And he said, I think it's a famous quote now because it was in the Hamilton documentary that he doesn't write, he only writes historical musicals with John Weidman. That's a thing of his. Yes. So I guess I first want to ask, what was the progression like for you seeing the song and then hearing the show and then seeing the show in terms of your understanding of what this thing Well, is. I think every time I experience it in a different format, I'm learning new things. Mm. Um, even just listening to it again after, I mean, it's been a long time since I've actually listened through, straight through the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, and so listening to it again in, in preparation for our conversation, um, I'm, I'm still picking up little things that I don't hear Mm-hmm. All the time, you know. Um, so it's it was it was very interesting to me the first time I saw it to realize a that there were so many book scenes, yeah, uh, and um, b just how um, entwined in everything both the balladeer and Booth are. Oh yeah, and how I was shocked yeah. when I saw it how non literal. Yes. Is, or how non-realistic it is, I guess would be yes. another word for it. Which when I first saw it, I didn't quite know how to take that. The scene that always sticks out to me is the scene between Sarah Jane Moore, Squeaky From, and Gerald Ford. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is a very funny scene. It is a very funny but scene. But is completely right. inexplicable in its sort right. of existence in right. that script. But before we get too deep into it, I guess we should pause. If you If you don't know this show, could you give... I mean, there's no plot, so it's kind of hard to give a plot yes. synopsis. I mean, but could you, could you give sort of a synopsis a, of what happens? It's a review, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, of um, uh, vignettes about the assassins who have attempted, uh, somewhat, some successfully, some unsuccessfully, to take the lives of the presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, sort of takes place in this nebulous world where they all can interact together. Um, 
and uh, framed with the device of a shooting gallery at a carnival. Um, so the show yeah. opens with, come on and shoot a president. Right. <laughs> it does. It, I did think about I think that's how we're going to take this thing down. Because I think it's important to – the show is, is something I think – I mean, most everybody who likes no Sondheim knows this show. Right. But it isn't one of the ones that I think everybody. I don't feel that everybody loves. I don't. I, don't, I feel that it well, gets kind of this. Have a they have a a guard against it or something yeah. uh, because of what it is and and it it doesn't glorify those people at all to me. Right. I mean, I think it says exactly the opposite um, and is is a um, uh, a reflection of how. No matter what these people do, we still move forward. Yeah, and life still goes on. <laughs> yeah, which is which is you know, you know important to um, to remember. Yeah, I think I want to kind of go. We've never done this before, but I think it's important with this show to kind of go through it. I don't know if this will be the whole show, but going through it one bit, bit at, at a, time? a time because it is that it's inexplicable for me. Like, I mean, it is the thing of like when I first saw the, it on on the Carnegie Hall performance, and you kind of go. Wow. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're and like, I had oh, this, all right. Yeah. And I had the same reaction you had. It's like, I, I just want to know what, like, I didn't know you could do that. And I wanted to hear more. And then it still wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I don't know what I thought it was going to no, be. No, I don't know what I thought it was going to be either. But, you know, it sort of hit all of my buttons, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. Uh, you know, it was it's politics. It's, it's history. It's um, Sondheim's music it's mm-hmm. john weidman's words I yeah mean, it was just sort of hit and i was like why well, I, I have to know this show yeah and it has that so we, we start and we're going to go through i think a little book scenes here too so okay. i have the script that's the oh, original script and you have the same one yep so yep. let's open our hymnals to page five <laughs> so the show does start i mean this the production we're looking at here is a playwrights horizons production uh from 1991 one right? Yes. yes, 1991. Yep. It's, I mean, this cast is ridiculous. This is just one of the best casts. <laughs> I, well, you know, <laughs> show. It's, every time I go back and look, I was like, what? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you get, you get ter- <laughs> I mean, the Tony nominee, I mean, there's Tony nominees on this cast. There's Tony, people who would go on to win Tony Awards, but you got, I mean, Terrence Mann, f- favorite of this show, Greg German, who would later be an Ally McBeal, Jonathan Hateray, who is a, a big Broadway guy and replacement, Eddie Corbich. Uh, Lee Wilkoff, who he of Little Shop of Horrors, you know, comes right. in. Annie Goldman, who's a singer-songwriter and, and all over the place. Deborah Monk, future multiple Tony winner. Victor Garber, Patrick Cassidy, Lynn Green, Jace Alexander. And in the, even in the chorus, when you have William Perry, Joy Friends, John Jellison. I mean, these are all like Sondheim staples. And we open with Everybody's Got the Right with this shooting gallery motif. Hey, pal, feeling blue. Don't know what to do hey pal i mean you yeah come here and kill a president no job covered bare one room no one there hey pal don't despair you want to shoot a president come on and shoot a president some guys think they can't be winners. First prize often goes to rank beginners. Which is 
Right, which is a which weird is place the, to start, the, but a great place to start. The proprietor, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of a of a shooting gallery in a in a carnival, saying, "Step up." Yeah, you know, which kind of right away tells you what you're so. going to be seeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. I really do. I really wonder. I mean, the best way to see any show, in my opinion, is to have no idea what you're about to say. Right. That's that's the ideal way to go. And I cannot imagine what it would be like to be January of 1991. And to step into this place. The, and the Persian first Gulf thing is have. is unfolding. Right. And you sit down in Playwrights Horizons and you're greeted to. Well, yes. Well, that. <laughs> and over the course of the evening, you have a gun pointed at you. Many times. Many times. I would imagine. Yes. And, yeah. And and right. uh, you know, uh, get to experience. Yeah. All of this history sort of thrown right in your face. Right. You and know? it does it does a nice job of setting up what you're about to see in this sort of dark comedy. Right. That's the other button mood. it pushes for me. It does. It is comedy. a dark comedy. I just talked to Doug Wilder about uh, No Way to Treat a Lady, which is is straight dark comedy. I mean, the whole right. thing. And dark comedy, we, we had a conversation about how dark comedy is tough yes. for people. Yes. It, there's a lot of people who just flat don't like they don't they just dark can't take comedy. it yeah yeah, yeah. and, and I, I i think i have a tipping point somewhere mm-hmm. i you know I'm but we okay. all do yeah you know when it when it gets really dark then i'm like okay now now you've gone too far yeah is there any <laughs> but, point that this song pushes that for you at all no not no. at all it is pretty not light at all. yeah it's, i i think because i'm so intrigued by the concept that it's setting up for mm-hmm. the evening that um I'm, I'm just fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. And drawn in. And drawn in from that. Yeah. From the get-go. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird assortment of people and characters and yeah, so and I, styles. Yeah, and styles. So, so who had you? I mean, we meet the, the we don't meet the assassins in order, but we meet them all in this scene. Yes. And who had you? Who were you aware of when you first heard this show? I mean, we're all aware of John Wilkes Booth, who is the last one we meet because he is by far the most right. famous. Right. Well, let me look at the list again. Okay. Actually, so, we don't meet all the assassins. We should say we should save that last little one for the end. Yes. True. Yeah. Um. I well. I I knew I knew Squeaky From. Okay. I knew John Hinckley. I knew um, Sarah Jane Moore. I knew John Wilkes Booth. Um, I did not know the names of. Uh, Shogosh and Zagara and Gateau, mm-hmm. but I knew their acts. Oh, really? Okay. See, my I knew I, I was uh, you know again again history buff. History. Well, and I but so. at the time bur- burgeoning history buff. But I knew Hinckley. Uh, I probably not by name. I knew Booth, and I think I knew that McKinley had been assassinated. President McKinley had been assassinated, but I didn't know much more about it. Um, I had no idea of Sarah Jane Moore or Squeaky From. My parents, I remember, knew who Squeaky From was, but didn't know who Sarah Jane Moore was until I read the little synopsis. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's right. It happened like two weeks, two weeks after right. the first and one. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's the reason I knew. I think there was, a, there was a point there where I was sort of fascinated by the Manson family stuff. And right. so that's how I sort of know who Squeaky From is. And then when you start to read about Squeaky From, it sort of pops up. Yeah. With that. But, and they had a vague sense of Sam, of Sam Bick, who was someone who had tried to kill Nixon with an airplane. Yeah. Again, that was a total Yeah. It's, to it's, well, I, I wrote. I, I was like, did he, did they make this person up? I, well, like, that's I, the, really, like, I remember know? I wrote a, um, I wrote a paper on him in eighth grade, uh, a long research paper about him and having to go to 
the library, the city library, and go into the microfiche mm-hmm. like vault and pull out all these old all New the York Times yeah. articles about it because there was no other, there were no books about him. There was no, he was footnoted in a couple little things as always as a historical oddity. It was always like, oh, and this guy who like got killed trying to hijack a plane. Right. It turned, because that was well, what happened. the guys who jumped the fence now. Right. You know, who nobody's ever going to. Right. Who's that you know, guy? Yeah. Who's, who's going to know who the guy is that made it all the way in the door? Right. Right. It, it doesn't. But, yeah. You know, you could, you could put him on the list. Right. <laughs> well, and I wonder how much of the fact that, like, because one of the bits that Sam Bick does, and we'll get to it in a, in a minute, is he recorded in real life these long, rambling tape messages, yes. which he would send to people, one of whom was Leonard Bernstein. Right. Who, of course, Sondheim knew. knew. So I do wonder right. how, like, if. Sondheim knew at least of of him of him in some vague capacity. Right. Right. Um, I certainly hope he did. Otherwise, like finding out about it would have been probably very startling. To him. <laughs> oh, like, I'm oh, sure this was happening sure. to yeah a friend of his at the very thing. So we meet all the the characters in kind of a rush in this carnival, um, and they are encouraged to shoot a president, which is obviously very dark comedy. But we don't learn anything about them. No. Really, though the pri- proprietor, in a very theatrical way, seems to know them all individually. Yes. About what their problems are. Yes. Yeah, and he calls them out one at a time. Yes, and and finds the perfect way to draw yeah, them in to bring them in. And and in true eighteenth and early nineteenth century, um, early twentieth century, um, tries to dismiss the women. <laughs> yes, which is <laughs> very know? very interesting, and also but very telling is to. What I think is really interesting about that is that – and I, I want to really talk to you about this when we get to their their moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am really – I am of so many different minds about how Sarah J. Moore and Squeaky From are portrayed in this show mm-hmm. um, as the only two women who have ever tried to kill a president. And it's so interesting that they tried to kill the same president two weeks apart from each other. I mean that's just – that's incredible. Incredible terrible also I should say. I'm not trying to sound impressed. But it is this very odd – Oh, it He's an odd is. president, and they're an odd like they're it's an, an odd, odd combination, pair. and they're an uh, it's an odd yeah it's an odd situation. It's such a and weird a, bit, but yeah, he tries to kick the women out; they refuse to be kicked out. And then we meet John Wilkes Booth, which takes us right into scene two, and the Ballad of Booth. Johnny Booth was a handsome devil, got up in his rings and fancy silks, had him a temper but kept it level. Everybody called him Wilkes. Why did you do it, Johnny? Nobody agrees. You who had everything, what made you bring a nation to its knees? Some say it was your voice had gone. Some say it was booze. Some say you killed a country, John, because of bad reviews. Well, I mean, it just is, it's, it's, Again, the whole concept of it is so intriguing, and the and the idea that we're we're hearing from Booth's perspective why he's done what he's done, mm-hmm. and and the sort of panic of no 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 you you cannot leave me you have to you have to tell my side of the story right like it's not just this terrible act like they, there's a reason behind it and there's a purpose and there's a you know in this sort of panic of I'm gonna die here yeah. and I need to get I need to get my story out mm-hmm. um, uh, but then he's not let off the hook I mean I think this is right and this is the part right. I think that people often miss about this show is that he is in no way he's allowed to speak his piece 
and then he is refuted. I mean, pretty right. resoundingly refuted without the chance of comment. I mean, he he he, he dies on stage, and the balladeer refutes everything he refutes just said. Refutes everything he said, right? In right. very clear in very clear language. Listen to the stories, hear it in the songs. Angry men don't write the rules, and guns don't write the wrongs. Hurts a while, but soon the country's back where it belongs. And that's the truth. Still and all. Damn you, boo! <laughs> because what's funny about Booth, and my, I remember my mother making a comment as we walked out of the theater being like, well, I think Booth was the only one who wasn't crazy. And I remember sort of like at 14 or whatever, not being to, able to articulate what I thought about that. But I mean, there are certainly characters in this show who have a mental illness like that. Oh, and, absolutely. And we will, we will come to them. They're absolutely. a lot of fun. But uh, I remember thinking that, no, he was like, what do you mean by crazy? <laughs> crazy well, is a really interesting Well, it's interesting. I think term. he was, he was, um, he was a zealot for his, certainly for his um, beliefs. Um, I, and I, I think took it a step farther than I would hope anybody now yeah, would. Yeah. But, but <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the, the sort of vehement rhetoric mm-hmm. is, is not unusual. Well, and it's not, yeah, I mean, it is the difference between also, like, there is this thing we do, and the show refutes this at every turn, this this idea of sort of pushing these people off to the side and putting them in a box and and putting them away. This is, they're troubled, they're, they're, they're crazy, they're whatever, who knows, who cares? They are not us. It doesn't matter why they did it. They did this horrible act, and therefore they should be condemned. Right. Okay. But yeah. they also were living lives of quiet desperation. Right. And so, exactly right. And as know, they say, yes, very good. good nice pull. Um, <laughs> and, and it is the – I mean, I think the thing about Booth is also – I think one of the things my mom was touching on, though, is he's the only one to me who's not sad on some level. I have uh, yes. less sympathy for him at any given moment than any of the other characters. I, yes. he, and I think the show goes a, goes a long way to – Show that he did what he did consciously and Absolutely. to a purpose, to and a for, very for yeah. a very very specific purpose. Yes, yes, and and I also think that um, it very deftly sets him up as the leader of this group of people. Yeah, and the founder of the feast. I mean, he's really presented you know, that way. Yeah, yeah. as the and, pioneer, as they say. Yeah. Yes, and it's without him. Yes, there without is, him, there's there's nobody else. There's nobody else. Yeah, there's nothing that follows. Yeah, and it is. Quick sidebar, though, it does, as you may know, there was an earlier assassination attempt on a U.S. president yes. um, with Andrew Jackson. Richard Lawrence. It was a house painter. Unemployed house painter. Very interesting, because he said, um, what we envisioned initially was a kaleidoscope review of assassins through the ages, from Brutus through Charlotte Corday uh, via Gavrilo Princip Sure. To James Earl Ray, it wasn't long before we realized that we had bitten off more assassins than we could chew. The world's history is filled with them. Uh, every one a colorful, passionate story. Um, they assassins are perfect theat- theatrical fodder. They come with built-in motivations and climactic action. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they decided to narrow the field to American assassins. Um, 
And the first draft included a scene about Dan White, the man who killed Harvey Milk. Mm. Um, but even that provided proved to be too broad. Um, and then so they, then that's when they decided to narrow it down to the mm. presidents. Um, even the cast proved too popular. So we admitted Richard Lawrence, whose attack on Andrew Jackson was the very first attempt on at a president's life, but whose delusional motivation was similar to Charles Guiteau's, the man who killed James Garfield. Yeah. It's even more extreme than Guiteau's. I mean, he thought he was the king of king of England, and that the that America owed him yeah. owed him land. And it was a pretty, right. it was a very unfortunate individual. Uh, and then they said they didn't include the the two guys who tried to kill Harry Truman. Right, right. Um, because, At House. like John Wilkes Booth, their motives were political, but were less complex and well, interesting. It's funny because that one is is current. I mean, that's history a lot of people know about is, is right. the attack on Blair House. That's a right. very, yeah. But that's always how it's framed. It's framed as the attack, attack on, on Blair, Blair House. And, not a- and then it says, we did include the character of John Schrank, one of the more bizarre of a lot who tried to kill Teddy Roosevelt. Right. Um, but Roosevelt wasn't president. Which was um, uh, played in rehearsals by Christopher Durang. Oh, really? <laughs> and was, was cut before the first preview. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. I uh, Yeah, that's um, a, yeah. So, That's a tricky one. But it was interesting because Teddy Roosevelt's um, – the attempt on Teddy Roosevelt's life was um, prevented because he – The speech. The yeah. speech was so long. Yeah, folded in his <laughs> folded pocket. Folded in his pocket and the bu- and Slowed down stopped. the bu- – it's important to remember. Slowed, slowed down, down the, the bullet. bullet enough. Didn't stop so the, the bullet. Right. Um, <laughs> and then the sort of parallel of FDR speaking so fast right. um, mm-hmm. that then – they were through, right? You know, they couldn't get to and it. He, yeah, he couldn't because he, he couldn't stand up. He couldn't I mean, stand up fast enough, right? Yeah. To get there. Yeah, that's a funny. Gosh, Ugh, what a history is a weird series of coincidences. <laughs> this is why I love this. Stuff. Oh, I sure, <laughs> and, I, and so do I. And what's really interesting, we'll get into it a little bit more. But one last thing I want to say about Booth, though, is I think it's a it's a fair treatment of what I probably consider to be the most one of the biggest turning points in American history. Oh, sure. Which is the assassination. I mean, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, you think of all the little ripple effects that that caused with Reconstruction and and with a northern attitude towards the South, but also, like, what happened to the South afterwards. uh, Because Lincoln was big on, like, let's put this whole thing back together. God knows if he could have, but we'll never know. And... You know what John Wilkes Booth accomplished was actually the exact opposite of what he what he was what he out wanted. Out yeah, and yeah. and that is a important theme in all of these assassinations mm-hmm. is that the the result is often completely the reverse of what you would hope. Uh, successful and unsuccessful uh, assassins, and I think that the the song provides. I mean, closing with the lyric "Damn you, Booth," pretty much. Right. It's pretty clear for 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 someone like Sondheim who doesn't usually say come out and say how, <laughs> right, we, how right. we feel. Right. It's it's pretty straightforward. Pretty unequivocal. Yeah. yeah. So then we go yeah. into this funny little scene, um, scene three, which is a bar that all these assassins are in. Um, very short scene with Sholgosh, Hinckley, Bick, and Guiteau. Yeah, and I think for me, what this beautifully does is mm-hmm. set up the fact that we're not going to a work chronologically. Right. And we're not be not going to have that these people are going to interact, yeah, with each other. Interact in a very and in, in a, a very social kind of real yes. way. And even yes. though these are people who lived hundreds of years apart and never, right. you know, probably it was so funny about it is thinking like, 
I wonder if these people even knew about each other to a great extent. I mean, everyone knows who John Wilkes Booth is, obviously. But does did Sam Bick know who uh, Giuseppe Zangara was? Like, it's just a funny, right, you know. Right, Well, and I think there's, I mean, we'll get to the end. But there's yeah. there's some indication there of some of the later people being Well, certainly, of, yes. Yeah. Some know. of the more famous ones, obviously. Yes. But it's just yeah. funny that these people interact like that. And then we get to How I Saved Roosevelt in scene four. <laughs> Up close and I see this guy, he's squeezing by, I catch his eye, I say to him, where do you think you're trying to go, boy, whoa, boy, I say, listen, you runt, you're not pulling that stunt, no gentleman pushes their way to the front, I say, move to the back, which he does with a grunt, which is how I say, Roosevelt. Then, while I'm in my seat, I get up to clap, I feel this tap, I turn this sap, he says he can't see, I say, find a lap and go sit on it, which is then how I say, he started to swear, he climbed on a chair, he was aiming a gun, I was standing right there, so I pushed it as hard as I could in the ear, which is how I FDR's life, which is is a we're back into the sort of music of of scene one with the more bandstandy America. What is the song that he's using there? It's uh he's got it's it's here. It it's here? El Capitan at the beginning, and then turns into the Washington Post. Both of which, again, in my mm-hmm. fabulous So I May yeah, Have Had. Yeah, I gotta get that book. <laughs> um, uh, reading, uh, both of which were playing at that rally. Oh, really? Oh, man. See, this is the kind of stuff that thrills my heart. I love it. No, it's great. And it's, it, so, yeah. Oh, man, it's so good. Um, so, and, and, you know, just the lyric, we might have been left bereft of FDR. Yes. is. is <laughs> And then I, this, you know, this is the first time we hear from the bystanders, as we said earlier. This is the yes. first time we hear from the, but it's so self-congratulatory and and again, all historically accurate. Yeah, and all yeah. based on yeah, uh, based you, based on on real bystanders. Yeah. yeah. Now this is, I mean, another funny it, it, Zangara is a character who again is very sad, immigrant, had some kind of illness that was never diagnosed. I mean, probably stomach cancer or ulcers or something. Something caused him great pain. And so he went, but as the lyric has it. First I was figured I'd kill Hoover, i get even for this stomach. Only Hoover up in Washington, it's winter time in Washington. Too cold for the stomach in Washington. I go down to Miami, kill Roosevelt. Don't laugh! Nobody. Men with the money. They control everything. <laughs> Roosevelt over, not making a difference. You think I care who I kill? I don't care who I kill, long as it's king. Which then, I mean, has a, I have to say, I remember listening to this album and hearing that line and chuckling. Right. And having then when he says... No laugh, no funny. I mean, it's yeah, such yeah. a great, and it echoes for me, Sondheim wise, um, Ladies Who Lunch, mm-hmm. where she says, Here's to the Ladies Who Lunch, pause, everybody laugh. And it is this great moment of kind of 
being a step ahead of the audience and sort of making everyone very uncomfortable in two very, very different ways. Yes. Obviously, one to yes. scare and one for sort of dark comedic purposes in Ladies Who Lunch. But this yes. is yeah, definitely to get you to pay attention. Right. To these, right. to this character. Well, it's very easy to get caught up in in the bystanders and what they're doing, mm-hmm. and and then all of a sudden you get a, no, stop, listen to me. Yeah, from the electric uh, chair. I mean, yeah. such a like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this one. This is one. <laughs> it's not that it, it's too because it's not funny. You know, there are funny no. moments in it. No, no, it's not. But this is a moment where I kind of go. I mean, that's hardcore. That is such a hardcore decision to make. And I don't know how I would have done it differently. And I don't know, even if I don't like it, it just is one of, it's one of the moments the show makes me uncomfortable. There are a few of them. And this is the first one where I, I'm kind of very uncomfortable with what I'm seeing, which it isn't, you know, it could be the purpose entirely. Yeah, but, it's, um, it, yeah, it's interesting. It's, uh, I mean, one of the things that I sort of was tracking yesterday was what we see in terms of what happens to these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and... As we st- as I started going through, I was like, okay, Booth gets shot, and Zagar's in the electric chair, and we'll get to Gateau, and yeah. you know, um, and and then all of a sudden, that drops away, and so you know, the the sort of punishment aspect of what happens to the other people isn't addressed. Right. Um, well, most of them just but, wound up in prison, so it's not right. very. It's not very. It's not very dramatic. Theatrical, right? <laughs> um, you know. Um, um, yeah. And then we'll get to John Hinckley too with the images of of Reagan, right? You know, uh, that show really is, goes there though. I mean, it's very, it does. It's really funny how when you have I mean, it is subject matter that in lesser hands would be a mess. I mean, it would be oh, an absolutely, absolute mess. yeah, absolutely. And I, I, yes, yeah. I, and I think with 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 a dramatist like Weidman and 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 Sondheim. I mean, this is 1991. Sondheim is coming off of uh, off of Into the Woods. He's you know he's he's at the absolute height of his power, and he. This is actually kind of the crest for me in a lot of ways with him because we sure. followed this with passion, and then he kind of disappeared for a while, and then you know Roadshow took like ten years to get going, and it's a right. kind of a weird amorphous place to be. So this is sort of the last show he did uh, by normal means that never made it. Obviously, to the original production didn't make it to Broadway. Um, I don't even know if they intended it to. It's sort I don't of an think they odd... intended it to. Yeah, it's sort of. It really feels like a show that they just wrote to write in a very yeah. You know, and well, and I think I, I, I it didn't run long at no, all. It was like seventy two performances. You know, it would, I, yeah. it was basically a workshop. I mean, it was a very. Yeah. If you see product, photo, production photos, very well financed workshop. I mean, yes. highly well. You know, yes. Full costumes, full sets, yes. full orchestrations. Everything's yes. fully done up. Um, but still a pretty. Well, but then if you also think about what was going on in the world at that time, yeah, you know, 1992, we're just getting into the Gulf War, right. and who really wants to well, and then, then support? And then they tried to, to mount a full production of it in New York a second time in 2001, and right. they right. wisely shut that down and then brought it up right. in 2004 instead, which was a right. good idea. Right. Um, yeah, it's a show that had, yeah, I mean, it's a tough show anyway. You don't need world matters. No, you don't. Getting, you don't. getting you into don't. what you're doing. But so fascinating in a time that's sort of less volatile. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, I'm so intrigued by it. I'm so intrigued by it. It's, there's a lot to be intrigued by. I mean, it's just key to, as we track through it, I'm just sort of, I, I am amazed at it. First of all, I'm amazed it exists. Yes. <laughs> in the first yes. place. And then I'm kind of amazed in how it works because then the next thing we have is a book scene. And all these book scenes are very short. 
I'm, I never noticed that before. Yeah. The, they're the three pages, and the, is between Sholgosh and um, Emma, Goldman. Emma Goldman. I mean, she. I mean, later to have a much bigger role in a musical in in Ragtime. It is such a a funny little moment between these two characters who did meet in real life, but we have no yes. idea what yes. what their meeting was like. There's no obviously no record of it. Uh, but this was one of the big problems with that. Emma Goldman had was that she had met with this man and one of the reasons she got deported was because she met with Sholgosh and th- yeah. they finally had something they could pin on her to kick her out of the country <laughs> right. and they did um, yeah but it's an interesting it's a, it's an odd scene how did you when you saw the show how did that scene kind of come it came at me very sideways yeah I was like I, I was like wait Emma Goldman is here and yeah. what is happening right now and um, I'm you know, and then sort of did what it's designed to do and give us a little insight into Shogosh and, and what he was trying to figure out for himself mm-hmm. and, and you know, hints at the idea of her sort of pushing him in a, in a direction, but I, certainly not. To where he went. Not telling him what to do. No, 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 the, not yeah. at all, not at all. Mm-hmm. But, but to, um, um, and I think the first time I saw it, I'm, I'm not sure I knew much about who Emma Goldman was. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know so, who she was at all. And um, so, um, you know, coming back at it, knowing who she is more, um, makes it a little more interesting. Yeah, it's a very yeah. sweet scene. I mean, it's a sweet, quiet scene between basically a celebrity and and, and, and her number a, one a, fan. And, and I mean, an admirer. It, yeah. yes. a, but a quiet, I mean, he's a very quiet man. And I can imagine right. seeing it at Playwrights with Terrence Mann, who's just got such an expressive face. It was probably right. quite a performance to, to right. see. Um, and this very sweet scene. Because he doesn't, I mean, it's also, we're getting there, but to, to say... He doesn't really get his own song either. He's the only one no. of the assassins who doesn't get a song in the same way. His song comes right before it. But before we get there, we then have this scene between Squeaky, the first scene between Squeaky Frog and Sarah Jane Moore, which and I the feel bucket like, of Kentucky Fried right? Chicken. And I, I feel like this was absolutely put where it is to give us the humor break. And it does, you know. It oh, it absolutely it does. absolutely does. It absolutely does. And this is and this is Sarah. I think this is Squeaky Frog's best scene. Oh, certainly. I mean, with her, between, you know, a member of the of the Manson family and a frustrated housewife. Right. It's, which is, you know, such a bizarre pairing who finally actually have a tremendous amount in common, common. especially regarding identity. And I'm, this is the, the last time I'm comfortable with the way these two women are portrayed on stage. Well, I and think. I, yes, I, I sort of feel the same way. And I, and I think, I, you know, I... I don't know. I mean, I know who Sarah Jane Moore is. I know what sure. she did. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I don't know enough about who she was to know if this is. Well, that's the you thing know, about Sarah like, Jane Moore. I don't think anybody does. Did you? You know, I, we understand the gun misfired. Right. And that's what happened to you. But is she really this horribly bumbling person? You know. Yeah, she sort of presented that way. I mean, I think as a like more of a foil to or or a. Um, like a compliment to Ford almost like right. her portrayal feels very, yeah, she is still alive. Um, yeah. The, 
you know, Ford being portrayed. I mean, because when we do meet Ford later, he is portrayed in the Chevy Chase tradition, right? Falling down and right. tripping over stuff, and she's right. kind of the same way. She's scattered brained and addle minded, and it's very. And I don't. It, what I what I really think about it is almost she's too big for this show. I feel like that she should really get her own her well, own I show. Think, she yeah, has she should, she, I mean, she's I so inexplicable. Gets, she is. She is. And I I think that I mean you know she she's a wonderful part uh, you know part of the gun song and, yes and sort of brings that all together, which immediately but, follows this. I mean the next right. thing you see is is the gun right. song. It takes a lot of men to make a gun. Hundreds, many men to make a gun. Men in the mines to dig the iron. Men in the mills to forge the steel. Men in the machines to turn the barrel, mold the trigger, shape the wheel. It takes a lot of men to make a gun. One gun. And all you have to do is move. Your little finger, move your little finger, and you can change the world. Why should you be blue when you've your little finger? Prove how just a little finger can change the world. And this is Sholgash's song. I mean, this is his moment to express. Right. How he feels. And I think it's really interesting. He has a lyric. I mean, he sings about the gun and how many men it takes to make a gun, which is a big thing with him, that everything right. is like this. Right. Everything you hold, everything you have was made by somebody who probably is less fortunate than you. Right. And and hearkening back to the bar scene where he's. Yeah. He, he shows um, off gets, his scars and. Yeah. And, and gets upset with Hinckley, who's going to um, break a bottle because who's going to make the bottle? Like, I make the bottle. Right. Don't break the bottle. Yeah. And, you know, Booth encourages him to break a bottle and he can't do it. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's, God, these knew these characters very well, I think. <laughs> the, um, I mean, this is a tricky, this is almost a show you have to see twice. I almost feel like you should be, like your ticket should give you two shows. Because I think we come into this with so much baggage. Yes. Which is unavoidable. I mean, it's not even... You watch the show in 30 years. Right. As an American, it would have that kind of like... You'd be unable to see what you're seeing, I think, almost an experience. Which, because, I mean, there's something very amazing about that tiny interaction between almost <laughs> Booth, Leon Shogas, and John Hinckley. Right. Where Booth says, break the bottle... Because who cares? I mean, it's kind of this like brazen act of destruction. Sholgash says, no, 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 think about the bottle and all the men that went into that bottle. And Hinkley can't break the bottle because he's just, he's weak. And and it's such an amazing... Because he can't make a decision. He can't make a decision. I mean, it's such an amazing scene that 14-year-old me, even though I was totally into the show, just flew over my head because... Right, of course. You're so... Like, what am I... You're spending... I think you spend a lot of time the first time you see or hear this show going, what is happening right now? Right. And I I mean, I didn't even remember I'd seen it in Miami, uh, you know, except for the fact when we get later and we hear the we heard the three named people. Yeah. I mean, that was a very visceral thing in that production because they had people standing in the hallways outside Mm -hmm. around the house. Yeah, that's what they did when I I saw it, too. So you got. It was all around from you. From all around you. Yeah. Um, and then as I was thinking, I mean, this made me go look for this program um, the other night because I was thinking, 
I vividly remember that happening. And I was like, that can't have happened at Roundabout, like in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Like it's just that the because I can see in my head the auditorium that that happened in. Right. And that's not Roundabout. And so clearly I'd seen it somewhere, somewhere else. else. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But so, yeah, we had this song. I mean, it was this it was Sholgash Booth. Uh, Guiteau, we get our first sort of taste of, I mean, he's in the bar scene, but we probably get a real first taste of him with his dramatic, his flair for the sort of unhinged dramatic. Yes. What a wonder is a gun. What a versatile invention. First of all, when you've a gun, everybody pays attention. When yes. His great and, frame. Which is the, is the first time we see the gun. Yeah, pointed, pointed it at it, somebody. Pointed yeah, it at points us. it at the audience. Yeah. Yes. Um, and again, has that darkly so. comedic. First of all, when you've a gun, everybody pays attention, and it is that like. Right. Yeah, that's it. yeah, that's. And I mean, I love his line about the. Um, uh, where's the refer? I'll play it here. When you think what must be done, think of all that it can do. Remove a scoundrel, unite a party, preserve the union. Promote the sales of my book. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah, such a, because it's so him. I mean, that's such a right, like. That's he's, absolutely what he was. It's doing. all equal to him. And then we have the Ballad of Sholgosh. Sholgosh, working man, born in the middle of Michigan, woke with a thought and away he ran to the Pan American Exposition in Buffalo. In Buffalo. Of a sudden, how things were run. Said times are wasting, it's 1901. Some men have everything and some have none. So rise and shine. In the USA, you can work your way to the head of the line. Which is Sholgash's scene, but as we said, Sholgash doesn't get his song. The balladeer sings his song, and the, the people around him uh, comment on what's going on. And we know how he feels because we've we've seen him do things earlier. But I think it's very funny, especially because he's one of the few assassins in the show to succeed yes. in his effort. I mean, there's only yes. four. And it is – he's one of the, the four and he doesn't get a moment well, to shine in his well, own and scene. And I think, I think, you know, to me, I what I don't miss about it is because he's sort of been so woven into the rest of the – Mm-hmm. piece up until this point right. um, that we sort of know who he is and and where he's coming from and what's happening with him sort of big yeah band and also number. very I mean this is this is Sondheim at his most like brilliantly ironic yes with all of these turns of phrase I mean with this reoccurring theme of working your way to the head of the line which is exactly right. what literally what Shogat does. does to kill McKinley yes. um it really does. I mean, you're right. I don't feel like I lose anything in the moment, but it is an interesting. I was just talking with my students about this the other day. Like sometimes, when you watch a scene with somebody, there's two ways you can be powerful. You can stand up and scream and yell and kick and scream, or you could sit there and do nothing, nothing which is really Shol- what Sholgosh does. Sholgosh, yeah, no, is, he's he's literally standing in a line. Yeah, and he's just and, waiting and just waiting. For and he his has turn. the patience and he has the anger to sustain him yeah. to wait to the end of the line, which is also what I would say personally. I mean, if you're going to br- I don't think Sholgosh suffered from any kind of mental illness. I think he knew no. exactly what he was doing. I agree. And I don't think he cared. Like I really think he had been broken down to a point of Now, it was also an age of assassination. I mean, it's often talked about like this period the late 19th century into the early 20th century up to World War 1. Guns were going off all over the world, and we were not immune right. to that. Right. Um, and if you think that McKinley was assassinated and then 
Roosevelt right after him did was shot after he'd been president, but still, right. like, I mean, is this right. this is something that's a, re- a reoccurring right. issue. Right. Um, but this is, I think, my favorite song in the show. Really? Yeah. This is the one. Oh, that's interesting. This is the one I, I sing the most. This is, I mean, it's the it is the catchiest, I think, in in a lot of ways. But I love that reoccurring that build of where he is the specific as he gets closer, closer we learn more and more it's such a funny little device to go as he gets closer as things get tighter we stretch out a, in a big, big way, way to see yeah. specifically you know because at, at the end Joel gosh angry man said I will do what a poor man can yes said there's no more fitting than in the temple of music by the tower of light between the fountain of abundance and the court of lilies at the great Pan American exposition in Buffalo in Buffalo. It means more, so much information, <laughs> and it's almost funny. I mean, when he says, when he keeps repeating that over and over and over and over right. again, right? And we still end with this. I mean, he's waiting and waiting and waiting, and and then and all the great comments that happen around him of people saying things like, "Doesn't the president look marvelous? So round and prosperous." Do you know what his favorite dish is? It was in the paper. Beef. I'm told in his spare time he enjoys collecting coins. <laughs> Which is something, right. if you can imagine what it must be like to somebody who has to scrounge for every cent they have to hear that there's somebody who, as a hobby, hobby collects, collects currency. I mean, oh my gosh, right. that it must have just, that must just feel so terrible. Because all the other stuff of like, he's round and prosperous, he loves to eat beef. I mean, that's all. Yeah. But that there's something so wonderfully unaware of, and, and white privilege of somebody saying, like, in his spare time, he enjoys collecting right. coins. I mean, right. it's such a, like, it's not even stamps, you know? It's coins. It's cr- oh, currency. it's so good. Right, right. Well, and God, then, this is so well and written. then, you know, the, the lyric of what he says, nothing wrong about what I've done. Some men have everything and some have none. Right. By design. Which he, know? does he ever say that? Um, he, is that just the, ball- I it's know. It's the balladeer, but I mean, it's, in, he says, it's in quotes. Okay, um, but which, we never hear him. Say, I mean, I believe he probably did say it in real life, but we never right. hear. I mean, I think it's I all secondhand through the balladeer. Is, is the indication, at least in this script, mm-hmm. um, of what what is actual? Yeah, text quote, from these people from Sholgas. Yeah, yeah. Who I, I have to say, I mean, it's it's this terrible. There's not a lot of information on Sholgas either. I mean. He had the gun strapped to his, to his hand, hand when they arrested right. him. You know, right. there's not a lot of doubt. He was quickly convicted and executed. Yes. Which is, I mean, unfortunate for a number of reasons, but mainly because um, it would have, I mean, I think history was lost the chance to hear from him what he has to say. But now this is the interesting question that the show raises is do we give, I mean, we hear this all the time now, especially with, I mean, school shootings or with any act of violence. Right. How, how much do you want to give to the Do you the give the person... person who, yeah. Yeah. What, I mean... How, uh, mu- how much attention do you give to the perpetrator? Right. And know? it's an impossible... And I think now that we're 116 years away, it's easy for me to say, I really want to know what was on Leon Solgas's mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> because it is so abstract as a piece of history. But... I, I mean, and that's where I struggle with the show a lot is we is because the show lives at that central struggle of we have to understand who these people are to a certain extent because we need to in order right. to prevent it from happening again. Right. But at the same time, how much attention? Do you, what? Yeah, yeah. And I'd love to know. We're about halfway through the show. How do you feel? About this <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it's it's an interesting dilemma. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a as a history buff. You know, and as a politics junkie, 
I and a process junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, I very much um, am intrigued by what the motivations of these people are. Um, if something was to happen today, would I be as intrigued? I, I don't know that I would want to know that much. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right that the perspective of 116 years right. um, helps create a place where I'm okay digging into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also do it with Squeaky Frome. And mm-hmm. that's not 116 years ago. No. That's within my but lifetime. But she was also unsuccessful. I mean, there you know. is a certain... Yeah. I mean, she committed an act of terror, but nobody was killed. So there is a certain... And there's also... Right. Hers didn't go off and Sarah Jane misfired. It, misfired. Misfired. It did go off. Because there's video... You can see. There's. It was on television. There's video right. footage of the Ford assassination attempt, the second one. Right. Because um, he was coming out of a hotel in San Francisco. Right. And I mean, it's kind of a, it's a, I mean, gunshots go off for ducks, but it does actually kind of also sound like a car backfiring. Like I kind of imagine yes. people on the scene were scared, but also sort of like, what? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I, I really don't know where I come down on Well, it's this issue because you're right. I mean, it's the issue of historian, amateur historian, but historian right. versus human. Really? I mean, basically like, like compassionate right. person, right. like, uh, like dispassionate scholar, hu- passionate human being. Right. Yeah. And I and I think the, the sort of logical puzzle part of my brain wants to figure out something that isn't necessarily figure outable. Yeah. You know. But also the um, theatrical part. I mean, people you like know. you and me, I think, really want to get into people and like what's your like you, you find yourself I mean, I find myself, I don't know about you, but like seeing somebody being crazy at like a restaurant, not in a like, excuse me, an actual mental health way, but like having yes. an actual like kind of odd reaction. You want to be like, like, what's your, th- like, what's going on? What's all this? <laughs> this is, this is what you're doing right well, here. And I, you like, know, how did I we get here? So... And what's so interesting to me often as, as someone who likes history is the parallel between the assassin and the the president. They, right. they, they go together in some capacity. I mean, whether it's Shulgash and McKinley or two people who are come on completely opposite sides of the coin. Right. Or whether you have, I mean, even the interesting, like, details, like, with Zangara and FDR being both, like, Zangara has this terrible stomach disease. FDR had polio. polio right. And it is, like, and, and it contributes to that moment where, like, Zangara is too short and he has this this pain. So he stands up. He gets a shot off too late. FDR gave a faster speech than so, we thought so, so he could, could sit, sit down. down. <laughs> I mean, it's just, right. you can't believe it. You can't believe these sort of parallels exist. Right. And I think that, so there is a difference between, like, I want to know what Sholgosh said because he was he killed the president more than I ever want to know the name or motivations of people who commit random acts of violence. Right. Certainly for the attention. I mean, that seems oh, to be absolutely. a large point. And so you don't want to give somebody who's doing it just for personal attention that yeah, which the they attention. sought. Right. Because right. that is it's right. counterproductive. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, God, we're getting into some stuff here, Karen. This we is are. Good. This is we good. Are. This is, this is <laughs> we deep, hit deep stuff. In the USA, you can have your say. You can set your goals and seize the day. Given the freedom to work your way to the head of the line. To the head of the line. Next week on the original cast. I mean, there's another there's a musical. Short book scene goes right into Unworthy of Your Love. I am unworthy of your love. Johnny Darn. The Ballad of Guiteau. Look on the bright side, not on the sad side. Inside the bad side, something's good. Another national anthem. Well, there's another national anthem, and I think it's 
there's a scene in a musical, in American musical, right? Between Sarah Jane Moore, well, Springy Brome, and, this from, is, and this President is, yeah, Gerald and Ford. This is, 